You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Good morning. Good morning. What a uh, what a beautiful bunch of people just looking down and seeing everyone. It's it's good to have you here. My name is Bin, and I'm the pastor here. I just want to say welcome to Sun Life Church. If this is your first time or second time, um, thank you for coming. Thank you for making time together with us as we worship the Lord together, as we pray together, and as we look into the Word of God together. Uh, It's Vision Sunday, and Vision Sunday for Sun Life Church is really just a time where I share with you what God has placed in my heart with the direction, the vision, where God wants to take us in the new year. So every year, I guess for those who know me, I take around a week away from my family and friends in church, and I just go away by myself. No one knows where I'm going, and I just fast, and I pray, and I seek God for clarity. And I usually do that in the first quarter of the year. So I'll be doing that very, very soon. And then I ask God, God, where is it you want to take this church? Where, where am I meant to be taking and leading this church? And God places something in my heart. I take it back. I share with the elders and the staff. And then we begin to plan for Vision Sunday. And so what you're going to hear from me is something that God placed in my heart back in May last year. We discussed about it last year. The staff planned sometime in Octo- October last year. And I get to share with you where God is taking us. And so the vision of God leading this church here. Last year, the vision was better together, if you remember. This whole idea of as we grow, we've got to do things together because I need you and you need me. And as we serve together, as we grow together, we're much better together. We're going to keep working on that. We're going to keep working on being together. But there's something more that I want you to focus on this year. And that's our Vision Sunday. So it's a great day for, for you to be here. I'm going to continue on our series, right, Spiritual Practices. Last week, I kick-started off with fasting, and um, this week, I'm going to teach you silence and solitude, and at the end of my talk, I will tie in with the vision for this year here. Is that okay? So, if you have your Bible or the church app, open up to Mark chapter 1 from verse 21 onwards. That's the text for this morning's teaching, okay? That's Mark chapter 1, verses 21 onwards. Now, I must give you a bit of a warning. This is not a typical message that um, the structure of this message is not typical of my style. I'm usually a three-point preacher. This has got a lot of points, a lot of sub-points, a lot of quotes, a lot of references, so you've got to hang in there. But I think you'll be okay. You're, you're a good bunch of people. You'll be all right. So that's just a bit of a warning. All right? So if you have your Bible, go with me to Mark chapter 1, verses 21. Let me read the Word of God. Here we go. They went to Capernaum, and the day here would be Jesus and the disciples. And when the Sabbath came, so that's a Saturday, a day of rest, Jesus went into the synagogue. The synagogue is like a church service for the Jewish people. And what did Jesus do? He began to teach. He's now preaching and teaching. The people were amazed at his teaching because Jesus taught them as one who had authority. Now, remember, Jesus is only around 30 years old, young man. 
He had this authority as he was teaching the Word of God, not as the teachers of the law. Verse 23, just then a man in the synagogue, in the crowd, who was possessed by an impure or evil spirit, cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Verse 25, be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Verse 28, news about him, that's Jesus, spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Let's stop right there. You know, when it comes to teaching and preaching right here, it's very exhausting. For those who taught on stage, it's very exhausting. Do you know that teaching and preaching is not just physical? Like, do you know right now you are not the only audience to what I'm saying? Do you know that? There are fallen spirits, evil spirits right now hearing what I'm saying. So when I proclaim the kingdom of God is greater than their kingdom, when I say things that Jesus is alive and He's victorious and He is ruler and He is king, when I say that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, when I say that there's always a turning point where you can return to the Father, do you think the evil spirits are happy when I proclaim that the gospel is a message of hope? Definitely not. See, there are other spirits right here hearing what I'm saying. So when it comes to preaching and teaching, it's more than physical, it's also spiritual. And every now and then, there's a manifestation. Praise God, over the last 13 years, I've had no demon-possessed man come charging at me, and I thank God for that, and I pray it never, ever happened. If you're about to do that, please leave me alone. All right. But it is so tiring if you've ever been in a situation where you've got to pray for someone, deliver someone. It is a lot of work. In the text, what do we see? Jesus preaching away. It's a profound message. It's mind-boggling. And in the middle of his message, a demon-possessed man comes at him. And now he's delivering this man. That's a lot of work for one Sunday morning. I am cooked by the end of a message. The thought of us doing a second service soon, you need another pastor. I'm gone, all right? But there's more to the text. Now look what happens from verse 29 onwards. As soon as they left the synagogue, the service, they went with James and John to the house of Simon. That's Peter and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law, that's Simon's mother-in-law, okay, was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about her. So he, that's Jesus, went to Simon's mother-in-law, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. Picture that. It's a massive service. Jesus is preaching. He casts out a demon. Now it's lunchtime. He goes to Peter's house for lunch. And now Peter's mother-in-law, not his mother, mother-in-law, she's got a fever. And Peter's like, hey, Master Jesus, Sorry to interrupt you. My mother-in-law, she's kind of got this fever. I know she's my mother-in-law. Can you please, please be so kind to go and bring healing to her? I think I read somewhere that uh, most biblical scholars think that Peter was just a bit too kind to his mother-in-law. 
Good man. Good man. Jesus comes up and he begins to what? Heal this lady. It's like one ministry after the next. But there's more. Look now in verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases as he also drove out many demons. You notice in the text, that evening, it's very important you to see this. It's because it's the end of the Sabbath. You see, for Jewish people, on the rest day, they would worship and do nothing. They would literally stay inside their homes. They would not leave their homes. They cannot go out and about to do their shopping or mow the lawn. They would wait until the end of the Sabbath, which is when the sun would go down, and then they're allowed to go and do what they need to do. So the text tells us as soon as the Sabbath finished, these people should be out and about doing shopping, doing the errands around the house. But what did they do? They went straight towards Jesus. They went looking for Jesus because word was around that there was this miracle worker and he could bring healing towards all those who were sick and all those who were demon-possessed. So here we have Jesus. Morning preach. He's tired. His car went out during the service. He's tired. He goes to lunch at Peter's house. Peter's mother-in-law is sick. He heals them. And then now at 5, 6 o'clock, the entire town is before him and he's healing them. Can you see that? It's one big day. Now look in verse 35, the next verse. Very early in the morning, that's the next day, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I highlighted the word solitary place because it's the Greek word eromos, which simply means quiet place or lonely place or wilderness or desert. And where do we find Jesus the very next morning when it's still dark in this lonely place? Now, parents, I'm going to talk to parents here. Parents, have you had one of those Saturdays, one of those Saturdays where you've had back-to-back kids' sports and in between there's this kindergarten Elsa slash fairy birthday party and then you've got to go home and you realise your family's coming over for dinner and you're preparing dinner and you're having a great time and you realise, oh my goodness, it's the end of the night now and you look and there's this pile of clothes that you haven't folded yet and you've got to start folding the clothes. And as you're folding the clothes at the back of your mind, you go, oh my goodness, I'm on kids' church the next day and I haven't prepared for anything yet. And so then now you're preparing for kids' church. It's a big day, all right? And when you go to bed, what you really want is to sleep in the next day. Is that right? You're going, God, why did I put myself on roster for kids' church? I should be sleeping in. So you see, Jesus here, he's had a big Saturday. A big, big day. And I'm pretty sure, like if I was Jesus, I was thinking, Father in heaven, I've had a big day. You know what's happened this whole day. Ministry, back to back, all day. Can I please sleep in a little bit? Can I start the day a bit later? Can I wake up at 10 a.m., stroll towards the cafe, get a nice latte, enjoy the Jewish times, and I'll start my day at, I don't know, 11 a.m.? No, we don't see that. We do not see that in the text. Verse 35, the very next day, early in the morning, before the sun is out, when it's dark, he goes off to his Edramos. He goes up to his 
quiet place, his hiding place, his solitude place to be with the Father. Now look at verse 39. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. You know, if we study the life of Jesus, the pattern of Jesus, we see that Jesus is always alone with his Father. And most of the time when he's alone with the Father, it's associated with a form of ministry. For example, before Jesus started his public ministry, he spent 40 days in the wilderness with his Father. And then he started public ministry. Before he appointed the 12 disciples, his 12 close friends, he would spend time alone with the Father. We see that in Luke 6. When Jesus found out that his good friend, John the Baptist, was beheaded, he went to a quiet place to be with the Father. Matthew 14. After healing the leper, remember in the gospel, Jesus would be alone with the Father. Luke 5. Or even when he fed the 5,000, after feeding the 5,000, he would go up to the mountainside alone to be with the Father, Matthew 14. The biggest test when he's at the Garden of Gethsemane, about to go to the cross to die for you and me, he's alone with the Father, Matthew 26. It seems to me, as I study the life of Jesus, the more hectic things get for Jesus, the more demand, the more responsibility we find Jesus with the Father. It seems like for Jesus, for Jesus, he realized that he could only bless people if he would withdraw from people and spend time with the Father to gain the strength to bless people. And I guess for you and I today as followers of Christ, in those seasons where it's a bit hectic, you know those seasons, maybe for some of you, you're in those seasons right now, you're extremely busy, there's so much happening at home, at work, your business, you've got major school assignments, you've got some bigness, big business decisions to make, or you're caring for people in this church here, I think we need to be like Jesus, to withdraw and be alone with Him. And that spiritual discipline is known as silence and solitude. And that's what I want to teach you today. We don't hear that taught a lot. Just like last week, I was teaching on fasting. This week here, I want to teach on silence and solitude, okay? What is silence? Silence is this, to stop speaking, zip it, and let God do the talking. You know, the uh, Syrian monk um, from the 6th century, John Climacus, he says this, is that a friend, the friend of silence, draws near to God. Let me speak to the fellas here, gents, to all the guys here. Do you know, on average, you utter 7,000 words a day? That's a lot, guys. 7,000 words a day comes out of your mouth, on average. Gentlemen, ladies, I've got to be very careful how I say this, because I might be in the doghouse tonight. It's not me, it's just research, okay? It's just research, okay? I'm not making this up. Ladies, on average, you utter 20,000 words a day. Three times more than the average male. 
And I think it's because you've got to repeat yourself half the time because the guys ain't listening, all right? That's what I reckon. Would you agree, ladies? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, but here's the thing. We, as a society, we struggle to be silent. We're always wanting to say something. We're always trying to justify something. Someone says something nasty about you online, what's the very first thing you want to do? Call them up and give them a piece. Or you reply and be that, you know, keyboard warrior and just tell them exactly. You know, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We struggle to be silent because we feel that when we're silent, it's helpless and it's hopeless. Because we feel in a way, right, that words helps us to be in control. We're so accustomed that words, right, is used to manage others and control others. That's the reason why we struggle to be silent as a society. Uh, Richard Foster says this, the tongue is most powerful, a most powerful weapon of manipulation. A frantic stream of words flow from us because we are in a constant process of adjusting our public image. We fear so deeply what we think other people see in us that we talk in order to straighten out their understanding. That's why we're always talking. But in silence, we say nothing. You see, in silence, we shut down all the external noises. In other words, no background music, no Spotify playing in the background, no TV, no podcast, nothing. Silence. Just you and God. We also shut down the internal noises. The internal noises are the conversation that goes in your mind. Now, that's a different beast. That's very hard to shut down. You can turn off all the external noises, but the internal noises, that's the one that's very hard. But it's a discipline to shut down all noises. Look what the Word of God says in Psalms 46.10. We are to be still, silence, and we are to know our Creator to know who God is. There's a stillness, there's a silence that we are called to shut down all the noises, external and internal, and let God do the talking. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you said nothing for a length of time and let God do the talking? Solitude is this, is to stop doing and being present with God. You do nothing. You put everything on hold, just simply you and God alone, and you let God do what He needs to do. So we put aside doing things. We put aside uh, pleasing people. We put aside entertaining ourselves. We put aside working or obsessing things or chasing after things. We stop everything to be free and be with God alone. That's solitude. Dallas Willard says this, solitude is primary because it sets us free from the entanglements of life. It helps us unhitch from our interactions, from over-dependence on human interaction and work. It's a strange practice, eh? To do nothing, to say nothing, just you and God alone in silence. And it's very, very hard today. Do you know why? Because we live in the age of technology, where our, our phone is always screaming at us, touch me, you know, turn me on. Look at me. Now, I, I read a research somewhere from Microsoft. It says that around 80% of young people, 80% of young people will automatically go to their phone if there's nothing grabbing their attention. The next time you are maybe on a train or a bus or in line, you notice what is everyone doing? They're grabbing the phone. 
We live in a society of technology where it's like, come on, you've got to be reading something, listening to some music, checking, scrolling. That's why it's very, very hard in this day and age. But I think it's an ancient practice that we have to establish at Sun Life Church. Look what Adele Corhorn says. It is difficult to find silence in an age of technology and information. Silence challenges our cultural addiction to amusement, words, music, advertising, noise, alarms, and voices. Silence asks for patience and waiting. And both silence and waiting makes us uncomfortable. They seem so unproductive. Isn't it true? But what I see here is that I see it in Jesus. No matter how busy Jesus got, I see him withdrawing and being in silence and alone with the Father. And I'm challenged that because if you and I have made the decision to follow Jesus and he's our master and we are to follow his ways and if he puts this as an emphasis, surely you and I should start practicing this discipline here. You know, last week I was sharing on fasting and I was really nervous because I was going, it's not one of those typical messages that I preach at Sun Life Church. And I was like, Lord, I just hope I don't mess this up. But the amount of people that messaged me and called me and shared with me what they've tried and how they gained from it, I was so encouraged. I knew exactly that I was on the right path that God wanted me to really teach on these disciplines. Something that God placed in my heart last year as I planned for this year. And I hope that silence and solitude is something that we as a community will practice throughout this year here. Look what Henry Newman says. He says this, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to have a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside time to be with God and to listen to Him. That is full on. You know, can I just share with you something I observe, and I'm speaking to myself, so this is not condemning here. But I realize a lot of Christians, that's me included, so I'm not finger-pointing, is that we encounter God a lot more on a Sunday. On a Sunday, right here. And I think that's because on a Sunday, it's very intentional. We come here ready to what? Worship God. We come here ready to pray to God. We come here ready to sit under the teaching of God's Word. The 90 minutes on a Sunday, for some reason, as Christians, we're so connected to God. Is that right? But throughout the week, we struggle. Throughout the week, there's so much happening. Yeah, you've got work, and then you've got work, and you've got work, and then after work, you've got the kids' homework, and you take the kids to tuition, and they're swimming, and there's dance classes, music classes, and it's just full on. All the parents, would you agree with me? It's true, right? Life is so hectic, one thing after the next, and we're so busy that when we get to the end of the week, and I'm preaching to myself as well, we get to the end of the week, we go, have I even remembered God this week? Have I heard the voice of God? Did I spend time with God? And we go, I just can't wait to get to Sunday. Because when I get to Sunday, I get to connect with God. And it's so true. I want you to connect with God on Sunday. It is so true. But as your pastor, you know what I want even more? That you connect with God daily. But here's the thing. The busyness of our week will rob the connection with God. And that's what happens. You know, Corrie ten Boom says this, If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. 
Because when you sin or when you are busy, they're very, very similar things. What happens is they rob you from spending time with God. They rob that connection with God because you have no time to be in silence and solitude to hear your Creator. And I fall into that trap as well too. Because the busyness of my week is just one thing after the next and I forget my Creator. And I get disconnected from God, and I reconnect with Him on a Sunday. And if you are not a regular worshiper here on Sunday, I'm not being condemning, but if you are not a regular worshiper and you come here every second week or once a month, your connection with God is even further drifting away. So I want you to consider silence and solitude. The old proverb says this, All those who open their mouths close their eyes. We don't see God. We don't experience God. We don't feel God. We go, where is God? Because we are busy talking, so much noise, so much happening, so much going on, one thing after the next, and we never slow down, and we never find time to be quiet, alone with God. And the challenge for us all as followers of Jesus Christ is that if you are someone where you want to love God more and experience His joy more and His peace more, and hear Him more, and be with Him more, could the solution to that desire be found in silence and solitude? Could that be a solution where we turn off all the noises, external noises, internal noises, and find a place to be alone with our Creator as we create a space for God to do deep work inside our soul? Richard Foster says this, it is like an operation in which the anesthetic must take effect before the surgery can be performed. Will you do that with me? Will you journey with me this year as we create space during the week so God will do a deep work in our soul? So let me give you some practical things here, as always, some practical things. Number one, daily pockets. Daily pockets. Look at your rhythm. Look at how you're living your week. Are there pockets during the day where you can utilize and use it as a time to be quiet and alone with God. For some of those with young children, maybe that pocket is before they get out of bed. You get up early, there's no noise, there's no one around. Grab a coffee, sit there, be still, say nothing, do nothing. In silence, enjoy time with God. Don't even pray to God. This is not prayer. This is silence. This is not Bible reading. This is silence. Just sit there. Say nothing. Just enjoy God and let God speak to you. For some of you, when you're driving home from work during the rush hour traffic, when it gets a bit chaotic, yeah? Turn off the music. Wind up the window. Silence. Enjoy God. Let the rest of those guys go crazy and do what they want to do. Road rage. You wind up the window. Turn off the music. Enjoy silence. Don't think about what's going to happen when I get home or what I've got to cook and what's going to... No, no, just nothing. Silence. Enjoy God. Find pockets during the day where you can go, great, I can use that as a moment to be still, to say nothing and enjoy my Creator. Number two, there's always a hiding place somewhere around your house. Find a hiding place. 
Find a place where it's just you alone with God. It could be a corner with an armchair. Find that place. Sit there. Say nothing. Alone, you and God. Maybe it's the patio. Maybe it's the garage. For those who live in an apartment and it's quite small, maybe it's the local coffee shop down the road that opens at 6 o'clock in the morning. Go down there early. Grab yourself a coffee. Sit in the corner. Say nothing. Enjoy God. Find your hiding place. I caught up with a Sun Life last week and they had this new build. They built a new house and they had this beautiful sunroof. And it's like, that's their hiding place. We invest a lot of time and energy and money into the things of the world, which is great. But if you are building a house, why don't you be intentional and build a secret place, a quiet place, a hiding place for your soul? So you can go there and just be quiet and spend time with God. Number three, optimize the occasion. Look at the occasion you're in and see whether you can redeem it and incorporate science, silence and solitude. So parents, you'll like this one here. You can thank me later on, parents, and you can take me out to lunch later on. Let's say on your drive down south to, say, Dunsborough, and the kids are going crazy at the back. Play a new game with them. Call it the silent game. <laughs> Turn back and say, hey, kids, we're playing a new game. It's called the silent game. Silence for 10 minutes. If you guys can keep silent for 10 minutes, once we get to Dunsborough, Dad will buy you some ice cream at Simo's. I don't know. Silence. They're playing that game. But then you've got that window where you can just enjoy God. You see, optimize the occasion, whatever it is. Find time. Be intentional. Just to say nothing. Enjoy God. Next level. Maybe once a term. Once a term. Find three to four hours and say nothing. You and God alone, say nothing. You're like, wow, Pastor, where can I find four hours? I can't even find 40 minutes to clean my room. Let me tell you where you can find four hours. For those who are working, for those who are studying, maybe find one evening in a term, that's in three months, where you have dinner and you stay back in the office or stay in the library. All the way to around 10 o'clock, silence. Do nothing. Tell your, your loved one, honey, I'm actually going to spend some time in silence and solitude after work. I won't come home to around 10, 11 o'clock, but that's what I'm doing. Or what about this? Saturday morning. Find one Saturday morning in a term. Have breakfast. Go to a local park. Drive to King's Park. Sit there. Silence, you and God. And then when lunchtime comes, head home. You see, if you're willing to set time aside to be with God in silence and solitude, you will create the time. And if you're willing to do that, I guarantee you, He will do a deep work in your soul and you will connect with Him and you will enjoy Him and experience Him more. But you've got to want to do it. Is that right? Think about that. Let me make one final note here. Is at the end of your time in silence and solitude, so whether it's five minutes, ten minutes, half an hour, three hours, do this. Grab your Bible and just continue to read where you've been reading. 
If you do not have a reading plan, get a reading plan. Don't just do the whole, okay, I'm going to start reading now, I'm going to flick into... No, don't do that. Continue on your reading plan. Read slowly. As you read, remind yourself, these are the words of God. God's going to speak to me through Scripture. Read slowly. Let Him speak to you through Scripture. Read for 5, 10, 15 minutes, as long as you like. And after you've finished reading, you have a simple prayer. And it's usually a, a prayer of appreciation where you say, Father, I'm so grateful that I spent that time alone in silence with you. Thank you that you're doing a deep work in my heart. That's how you practice the discipline of silence and solitude. Eliminate all the noises, no external noises, no internal noises. Find a secret hiding place, you and God alone. and Say nothing and enjoy Him. It's hard, eh? It sounds like a waste of time. Time that I can make money. Time that I could be playing games. But if Jesus is doing it, and if I'm following Jesus, I ought to try it. And maybe that will restore my soul. Maybe that will get me on fire. Maybe that will give me the strength to do His work. And even if the people around me think that I'm crazy, I don't care. He is worth it. Amen. Look what Foster says here. Richard Foster says here, To enter into solitude, we must disregard what others think of us. Our close friends will see it as a terrible waste of precious time. The less we are mesmerized by human voices, the more we are able to hear the divine voice. The less we are bound to others' expectations, the more we open to God's expectation. Who cares what people say? Spend time with Him. That's what I want you to try. Last week, I gave you fasting. This week, I gave you silence and solitude. Next week, I'm giving you simplicity, stripping everything away. And I really believe with all my heart, if we follow these spiritual practices, this would be a great year to taste and see the goodness of God. So right now you're saying, what's the vision, Pastor? What's God placed in your heart for this church here? Well, the vision for this year here is found in Psalms 34, 8. The Word of God says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to take us back on the journey of enjoying the goodness of God. I feel, as the pastor of this church here, sometimes there's so much happening in our lives that we forget to enjoy the goodness of God. So for the entire this year here, I want to take you on a journey where you slow down, where you and I enjoy God for who He is. That we're going to taste and we're going to see that He's a good God. You know, it's a bit like honey. I've got like a, I think a little honey spoon here. We all know the taste of honey. I was about to bring honey here as a prop, but I forgot. <laughs> but during the week, I was about to bring a durian. And I said, well, you know the taste of durian, right? But I thought, no, I better not do that because I might lose half of you by the end of the service. But just like honey, you know honey. You know the taste of honey. It is sweet. It is good. But unless you grab the spoon, be intentional to go over and scoop it and enjoy it, you would not taste the goodness of honey. And that's the same with God. We all know God is good. 
We know He's got a lot more to offer to us. But unless you and I are willing to be intentional, to find time to enjoy Him, we will never taste and see the goodness of God. So the vision for this year is for us to do that as a community. I believe God has so much more for you and for me. And for some of you, you're really enjoying the goodness of God. Keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. But for anyone here who you're struggling to enjoy the goodness of God, you can't remember tasting the goodness of God. Well, this year, I invite you on the journey of slowing down, stripping things back to taste and see the Lord is good. So what I want to do now is, as every year, we want to give you a gift to remind you of the vision. So I want to invite now the welcome team to hand out this gift here. And please, it's a gift. And I want you to use this gift. I want you to open up this gift here and enjoy this gift. And I'll explain to you the meaning behind this gift here. So I'm not going to show you what the gift is. I think, oh, it's right on the screen. <laughs> oh, dear. Sun Life Church, I love you. I want you to open up the gift. Everyone gets one. And there's a reason behind this gift here. Um, open it up, enjoy it. These are drink coasters. Drink coasters. Open up the gift. It's for you. It's from our church to you. To remind you, Vision 2024. To remind you that we're going back to that place where we get to enjoy Him and taste and see the Lord is good. And I believe with all my heart that when you are deeply immersed in the love of God, the goodness of God, you cannot help it but share it to the people around you. So please open up the gift. Um, these are drink coasters. And the reason why we thought we'll give you drink coasters is that every time you have your coffee or your wine or your beer or whatever you drink, in moderation, please, every time you sip that cup or that glass and you taste the sweetness of that drink, you remind yourself that God is good that I want to enjoy Him. I know for a lot of you here, you're a bit like me. You love your coffee and you're drinking probably two, three coffees a day. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's great. It's a reminder that every day you should be intentional to find time to taste and see the Lord is good. Every time you use this and you can see our vision here, taste and see, it's an encouragement for you to be intentional, whether it is to fast more or to find times of silence and solitude so that you can taste and see that the Lord is good. And maybe, maybe you've got a friend over to your place and they see this coaster. Hey, what's that cross? What's that taste and see? What's going on there? Wow, what a great opportunity to share the vision of this church here. That we're all about enjoying God daily. Not just a moment on Sunday, but daily. And this is what I've done. Can I help you on that journey to taste and see that the Lord is good? And so that's the journey. 
That's what we want to do this year. So one of the things that I want to do this year is I want to show you our preaching series. And by the way, we, oh, sorry, also my apologies. We have a reflection war as well. You can see it right here. This vision war here. So what I want you to do this year is that every time you enjoy God, every time you sense the goodness of God and God gives you something, or every time maybe you prayed and God answered your prayer, whatever it is, I want you to go and grab one of those cards that will be around the church. I want you to write down the goodness of God, how God has been good as a testimony. And then you go towards the taste and see board and you just pin it up. And every time we go into this building and we look at how God has been working in our lives, we're encouraged to keep trusting God, keep enjoying God. That's what I want you to do throughout this year. Enjoy God. Write it down. Pin it up. Encourage, inspire us as a community to keep enjoying the presence of God. Amen. There's a lot that's going to happen this year, and I'll tell you a bit about it. But let me just give you an idea of the preaching that we're going to do this year here. It's on the next slide here. This, this term, I'm teaching on the spiritual practices, and we end the term with Easter. Next term, we do the book of Amos, and then we do the man Jesus, which talks a bit about the character of Jesus. Term three, it's a whole big term in the book of Hebrews, why he's the better. Pursue him, he's good. And term four, what's on your mind? What, what are you thinking? How can I help answer those questions? And then songs of Christmas, all the songs of Christmas leading up to Christmas. The series here all helps us to slow down and realize that Jesus is worth it. Let's pursue Him. Let's enjoy Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? That's the vision for our church here. There are all other things as well, but over the course of the next few weeks and months, you begin to see them unfold. But for the time being, enjoy this as a gift from us to you, as a reminder that we are to enjoy Him daily not just once a week, but every day. And hopefully this series here will give you practical handles to slow down, enjoy, taste, and see that the Lord is good. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. And as always, as I pray, as I spend time asking God to work in you, we're going to create a space for anyone here who needs prayer, who needs ministry. We invite you to come forward and we would love to pray for you. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for just time together as we study together, teaching us the discipline of silence and solitude. I pray for this church that we will take on these spiritual practices ultimately to help us love you over and over again. Jesus, you are worth it. I know there's so much more so much more of you. And I pray as a community, we journey together in enjoying you more and more each day. Bless us. For anyone here, Lord, who feels that they're so far from you, Lord, just remind them that they're so loved by you and you welcome them back to this community of fellowship. I pray, God, Holy Spirit, just give them peace. Peace. Peace 
joy in their hearts right now. Thank you so much. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up.